Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, digital agency owners and podcast listeners. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to ask you a quick question. Are you currently stressed out, cash crunched, or fed up with your business? If you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead generation problem, or maybe that it's the area you live in, or maybe this market has become too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around, and I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now that it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who comes to you saying they need a website or Facebook ads or maybe a mobile app developed, but they don't even realize the deeper challenge or opportunity that's blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I want to invite you to apply for a YouGurus strategy call where we'll dig into those underlying issues and get you moving forward like never before. The aha moments will shift the way you think forever, and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your strategy call. Go to yougurus.com slash apply to start your application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. All right, let's introduce today's guest. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners? Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. Really excited to have you guys here listening in for another week of great content to grow your agency, grow your mindset. Today, we are hanging out with Mark O'Brien, and he is the CEO of Newfangled, a digital marketing consultancy helping experts generate ideal new business opportunities. And they're a uh, about 17-person agency. They've got over 80 clients. They've been in business for uh, over 23 years, which is pretty incredible in our industry. And they've got some really big-name clients, people that you guys have heard on this show, uh, like Blair Ends and David Baker, and uh, some big-name agency clients like Omnicom. And uh, yeah, we're just talking to uh, Mark about his agency and that growth that he's experienced today on the program. So welcome, Mark, to the program. Thanks, Brent. Really good to be here. So uh, you started your your agency uh, in 1995. That's a uh, that's like that's like a hundred years in 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 internet years, right? Uh, well, right and wrong. It's definitely a hundred years in internet years, but I actually am not the founder. Uh, I guess that's a little bit of a story in of itself. Um, Eric Holter started the firm up in Rhode Island in 95. And I joined as a almost unpaid intern in 2000. Uh, so, so, so unpaid intern to CEO. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was a really f- interesting ride. So my background, I, I studied poetry in college, but I had always loved cooking. I fell into uh, the restaurant world as a teenager early in high school, worked full-time all through high school and college and was convinced that I was going to do that for a living. I just loved cooking. I wanted to have my own restaurant, but my mom insisted that I get a liberal arts education. So I chose to do so in a city that had a restaurant that was my goal restaurant where I wanted to work. 
which is Al Forno restaurant in Providence, Rhode Island, and went to Providence College. And since I didn't have to worry about making money, I just pursued my interests in college because I was, of course, going to cook for my whole life and um, took a customized major in poetry. And that's what I did for my four years. And I basically spent most of my four years there with a specific professor, a poet named Forrest Gander, who went on to run the poetry department at Brown, which is the, the most well-renowned poetry program in the U.S. So I was in the right place at the right time, getting to spend four years with Forrest, who became a dear friend as well. And um, of course, as luck and fate would have it, uh, shortly after getting out of uh, college, I I ended up working at my dream restaurant, Al Forno. Um, within six months, I was actually running the restaurant or the kitchen, not the whole restaurant, but the kitchen. I had about 20 cooks that were reporting to me and doing all the rest and realized very quickly that this was not what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. <laughs> I, was, I was lucky enough to achieve my wildest dreams basically immediately. And that was terribly fortunate because it would have been, I would have happily spent 10 to 15 years trying to work my way up there with that goal. But six months did it instead. And um, then I was in an interesting spot. This was around uh, the late 90s. I was already out of school. So I already you know, spent my education basically, but wasn't really going to get a job as a poet anywhere. <laughs> didn't want to cook anymore and uh, didn't have any prospects really. And um, a good buddy of mine that I was living with had always been a geek. And uh, he said, you know, it's 1999. You can get a job you know, making 40 grand tomorrow writing HTML. And I said, I don't, I don't know how to write HTML. And he's like, I can teach you today. <laughs> and he basically did. <laughs> it's a pretty good ROI, right? Like, Yeah, pretty, pretty. Yeah. 40, 40 grand was basically it was a billion dollars to me at that point. Sure. Like that, unimaginably giant number. Um, and I didn't believe them, but like half that, uh, an actual job with benefits and like paid vacation in the restaurant world, you don't call in sick, you call in dead. And that's real, right? Like you do not take time off, especially nights or weekends. Like you are chained to that oven. Um, so just like I, I found myself in my early twenties, like dreaming of cube jobs, you know, working in a cubicle somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounded like amazing. This wonderful oasis of the office cube with a water cooler. <laughs> and, and, and I want to just uh, take a second to just understand that a little bit. You had this goal, this yeah. vision for your future, and you achieved that very quickly. It sounds like you're a very ambitious person. Um, but I feel like that's a really, that's a big deal to be thinking. And, and that happens to people all the time where they, they yeah. paint this romantic picture of what a job or a career or their future might look like. And then they achieve that and maybe it doesn't bring them what they had maybe hoped. And did you, what, what did you feel at that time? Did you feel just kind of a little bit confused about the next step or were you like onto HTML and this is, <laughs> this is my next path is 40 grand a year with HTML? Well, the gap, right? When when you realize, wow, this th what my thought my future was is not my future. Um, between then and the time when you can get a foothold on what the next future is, is a terrifying, terrifying place. I mean, I never felt more old or useless in my life than I did at age 23. Um, it, it just felt like you know, things were a little bit pointless. I, it, I was, I was, you know, I guess looking back kind of depressed, you know, like it was, yeah. it wasn't that good, you know, <laughs> if you could go back in time and tell your, that, that person that was in the gap, what, what, what do you think you would say to yourself? 
Well, it's it's funny. This morning, I was just listening to a Tim Ferriss interview where um, he had a guy on his own podcast interviewing him about um, the what what revisions he'd make to the four hour work week today, and he asked him that exact question. And uh, his Tim's answer, I thought, was quite good, which was nothing. I wouldn't tell mm. myself anything because that fear, that concern, that that edge that breeds and generates adrenaline that forces good decision making. You know, stress can be a very good thing and it can be a great motivator. And so uh, looking back, um, for the most part, really, I wouldn't change a thing. I, I, I'm thrilled with how everything turned out. Uh, could have never guessed it at the time. But, you know, the the concern, the very real concern I had of, okay, look, I got it wrong once. I don't want to get it wrong twice. What am I supposed to really be doing here? Yeah. Um, you know, there was an edge there and I'm, I'm happy for it. You know, pain, pain is a great educator. A great educator. And, and I think that's a really powerful lesson for any of our listeners right now that are feeling like they're in that gap uh, period oh, yeah. or they aren't necessarily there. They maybe have just achieved what they had set out to achieve. And, and now they're kind of wondering, okay, well now what's next? And I kind of feel a little yeah. uncertain or I'm, I'm experiencing some of that pain that that stress and that energy can be channeled into uh, something positive and powerful. I think that's a really important lesson. Oh, 100%. Right now I'm reading um, Ryan Holiday's The Obstacle is the Way. Oh, um, yeah. I have that on familiar? repeat right now. I listen to that on repeat on all my bike rides. I think I'm on like the 14th time. Uh, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. yeah. It's, it's a great one if you're ever feeling like I can't do this and then you get in there and you start listening to what, you know, it's just, it's a fantastic yeah. book for repeat. It, it is. And um, the Daily Stoic is also something that is by my side. I take it with me on my business trips. Um, I think he very intentionally didn't publish a Kindle version. So you have to have the physical copy. Uh, and just that I, I've got a very strict morning routine that really is a bit of a survival routine. And reading a little bit of stoicism each morning is a critical, critical part of that. And so, and it's all about this, right? I mean, life presents us with challenges and they're not put in front of us to ruin our lives, or they certainly have the power to, but they're put in front of us to accelerate growth and to force change. But it, it, it's painful. It hurts. But if we believe it's leading us to a good place, and if we look for the growth opportunities inside of it, it can be it can be quite rewarding, and we'll look back and it'll be the best accelerant we had. Although going through it is uh, really hard. I'm, I'm going through one of those things right now. Um, you know, my wife just signed divorce papers today. To be completely candid and honest with you, how's that for a podcast? Uh, and, <laughs> we, you know, I was talking to you before the show. I said, you know, let's get to the back of the house, which I didn't even know about your whole kitchen thing. You literally manage yeah. the back of the house, so the back of the house, yeah, yeah. And that's you know that's been the biggest challenge. We've, we can talk today about some of the business challenges. There have been some huge ones that were terrifying at the time. And I look back and they were blessings. But that you know, a failed marriage is uh, uh, it's to me a lot worse than a failed business. Um, and so very sobering. And even though there's a massive amount of pain and strife wrapped up in it, um, you know, I'm, I am confident that hopefully for all involved someday, this will be, you know, we'll look back and say, okay, you know, this is for a reason. <laughs> you know? yeah. um, so, you know, life presents really tough times, no matter what, you know, what the surface looks like. And, and I just want to appreciate uh, you uh, sharing that. Uh, I am certain there are many listeners who have uh, maybe are experiencing the same thing right now, have uh, experienced that in the past, or you know have a fear that maybe that's going to happen in the future. And in any of those types of things, I mean, you kind of mentioned that the, the papers got signed today, but there's any kind of, 
um, negative life experience or moment like that always has, uh, it's not like it just takes up one day. I mean, there's a huge, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. Right? So, so, so how did that, or how has that affected you professionally or within your business and how, how have you managed that or kind of separate the two or are they, are they totally intertwined? Yeah, we you know you live one life, right? And it's it's all intertwined. And I do have to say that um, uh, Blair and I, Blair Enns and I, uh, for the past three years, we actually just finished last August for three consecutive years, we um, took the strategic coach program together, mm-hmm. uh, which is an excellent program for business owners. I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Um, and so every quarter we'd go out to Vancouver um, and, you know, go through the coach program. And that program really changed the way I looked at my relationship with my business, Newfangled. And, um, and I changed a lot about how Newfangled ran over those three years. And so that timing worked out really well. And uh, in the coach program, they talk a lot about the, the freedoms, freedom of time, freedom of money, freedom of choice, freedom of future. And, you know, we're all entrepreneurs, your whole audience is entrepreneurs. And, you know, we have more freedom than we realize for better or worse. And we, we got into this because we had a vision and we wanted to execute on that vision. And what happens to so many entrepreneurs is you get into it and then you forget what the vision was and you forget that you even have the freedom to have a vision in the first place. You know, you got a payroll, you got rent, you got, you know, actual employees reporting to you, you've got to find the next job and you kind of forget the big picture and that, hey, you know, we need to steer the ship. Somebody needs to steer the ship and you, you built the ship in order to be able to steer it. And so um, through the, you know, my most recent life challenges here, I found myself just being so appreciative of Newfangled and the support it's provided to me and to my family and to my employees. And looking throughout Newfangled, you know, especially the people who have been here for a long time, I can look at all of them and see, point to a time in their lives when they were struggling significantly with something that was a major life event that they'll remember vividly for the rest of their lives and looking at how Newfangled supported them through it. And I was always so proud of that. I was so proud that my company was able to be a source of stability while people were going through life and uh, naively never even considered the idea that I would someday need it to be that support, but it, it really showed up for me. Um, you know, we're, we were full of just amazing, amazing, amazing people and we have amazing clients. And, um, I, I found myself, even though my energy has been at an all time low in many ways, I'm more excited, engaged in newfangled than I have been maybe ever. And, mm. and it's odd, isn't it? It's a bit of a paradox, but it's, it's the truth. I'm so grateful for Newfangled and and what it is for the people we serve, for the team we have here and for the stability it's able to, it was able to bring to me through this really difficult period. So I'm curious, did you end up learning HTML in a day? (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, yeah. So the back to to the beginning of the story, um, the, my buddy who is actually our sysadmin now here at Newfangled, uh, we've been friends since we were little and I was um, his roommate and he's the one who said, yeah, we can, you, I can teach you HTML tomorrow, basically. We ended up doing a website for the restaurant I was working for, uh, not Al Forno, but when I, when I went to after I left Al Forno, kind of in my transition stage. And, uh, and you know, it was mostly him doing it and me kind of looking over his shoulder, but I, I had a basic idea and there was this, you know, really cool place called, what I thought was called New England Web Design uh, about three blocks from where we lived. And um, my, the same buddy said, hey, why don't you check out that New England place? And uh, so I walked by it one day and saw it was called Newfangled, not New England. And then <laughs> I was wondering back. if that was where you were going. I was, I was like, it kind of does look like New England if you just don't read it, right? You just kind of glance. It, 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 
especially with the way the font used to be. It was mm. a very anachronistic logo and it, it looked just like New England, really. <laughs> and we were in New England, of course, we we're in Providence, so it made sense. But anyway, um, went back to my apartment and went to the website and filled out a very long contact form where I just basically like pleaded. I said, hey, I'll work for free. I'll do anything you want. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll put chairs together, whatever it is, just, you know, let me in. This is what I want to do. The owner, Eric, um, called me in and we had about a half hour conversation and he offered me $10 an hour. And I about jumped out of my seat and right then from there walked to all three of my jobs. I was working at the time and quit all three of my jobs and was working for Newfangled that Monday. Um, uh, and I, actually it does, it turns out I was assembling chairs. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was in fact what he needed me to do. Um, but yeah, I started doing HTML and really loved it. I, I really took to it. And then, you know, we got into programming as we developed a CMS and then eventually got into some sysadmin work. Um, and it was, it was wonderful, but I was, I was very much sort of like back of the house there too. So back of the house in restaurants, back of the house in the, um, uh, in the company doing mostly, you know, back in development. Uh, but then when I decided to move down to North Carolina, um, because of my partner who was going to become my wife, she was from the South and basically demanded that we live in the South, anywhere in the South at all be fine. But I chose Chapel Hill because of the music scene, because I also was playing a lot of music at the time. And, um, migrated down to North Carolina and asked Eric, said, Hey, you know, can I, can I still work for Newfangled, but move down South? And, and he's like, sure. But at the time we were a very regional company. Like, you know, we're, we're, we do work all over North America and a little bit in Australia and Europe now as well. But at the time it was Southern New England. If we couldn't drive there in an hour, we're not, we weren't working with them. We didn't, no one knew us outside of that very small area. So he said, well, if you're down there, why don't you just try your hand at BizDev and start knocking on some agency doors. And so I did. And that's when everything changed. So I really enjoyed the technical work very much. Um, and I still miss the days when I could just put on my headphones and just, you know, plow through code all day long. That was really fun for me. But my unique ability was certainly in developing relationships. And I found that out very quickly. And that had never been true for anyone inside of Newfangled before. We were very much a dev shop. Um, and so I started doing that and things started changing very rapidly for the company um, because there was a new biz element and there, there hadn't really been before because Eric didn't really enjoy that. And he was honest about that and open about that. But I did. I loved it. I just loved everything involved in new biz. And um, things started going really well. And then he made me president in 04. So about a year after moving down here, uh, he made me president. And then things kept on going and it kept on improving. And uh, he decided he wanted to do something different. He, I, he was kind of stifled because he's a, he was a classic uh, entrepreneur in that he just had idea after idea after idea after idea. And I, I'm, I might be more of a misfit entrepreneur where I didn't want to do those things. Like, hey, listen, we, we said, we're going to do this. I want to focus on this and get it done right. And like, we really need to just do this for now. And I kept on saying no to him. And he was a really amazing owner. And, uh, you know, talk about stoicism. He was just above it all. Very wise dude. Um, and he would agree with me that, yeah, you're right. We shouldn't do this, but he was nonetheless, he was frustrated. And so, um, he was actually with David Baker. He was getting consulting, consulting. He was going to start a side business as a consultant. And he was with David and David said to him, so you're going to start this side business consulting, you know, who's going to run the company and who's running the company now while you're here with me. And he's like, Oh, Mark. And he does, Mark does this, Mark does that, Mark does this, Mark does that. And and David said, all right, here's the deal. You're going to go back to North Carolina and you do one of two things. You're going to either fire him or you're going to sell the company to him because <laughs> he's got way too much control. <laughs> and so he got back and he asked if I wanted to buy it. And I said, yeah, <laughs> I want to buy it. And, and, uh, but that was in 2008. 
um, the very beginning of 2008. And of course, in 2008, everything fell apart. And all the banks that were very supportive and we're having great conversations with, you know, in March disappeared, would not even answer our calls in August. They were not giving money to anybody. So it took the whole year just to figure out how I could possibly, I had no money, I had no access to money anywhere. Um, so it took a whole year to figure out how, you know, uh, an employee with no savings of any kind and no assets of any kind could buy out an owner. Um, but we did, we figured it out and we started it in 2009 and by, and, and basically, uh, starting January 1st, 2009, he was out of the company. He, he met with us on a weekly basis, but he was not serving any critical role at all. He was an advisor basically, and he was off doing his own thing. Uh, and it, you know, we, we, we had to go through the recession. Um, 2010 is when it caught up with us. That's its own story we can get into, uh, if you'd like a lot of lessons there. Um, but it, we weathered the storm and in 2013 I was done buying the company. And so there it was in some ways a long journey, in some ways a very short journey, but in in all ways very exciting and very rewarding. Wow! So for basically a four four or five year kind of buyout process. I mean, I think that's an incredible, incredibly different story uh, than you hear from the vast majority of agencies out there, and even just the idea that a founder could sell their business to an employee. Uh, and, and I don't know if yeah. you're able to maybe even discuss some general uh, specifics yeah. about how like sure. was that was it was it bank finance was it owner finance did oh. you oh no bank would finance it this yeah. is 2008 no so, bank so would you touch it. <laughs> did you just kind of then pay him out over four years then from business cash flows it yeah, sort of uh, the, the basic thing was. Um, the, what made it work was that he was no longer required to make the business run. When the owner who's selling still has to be in the business and, and you know create revenues out of the business, then I think it's kind of impossible for. Yeah. And I'm sure it could work. And David Baker does tons of this uh, M and A kind of work and, and, and internal sales works. And so he's he's really the expert on this, and he helped us with this deal too. But um, the key element that made it possible is that, you know, Eric was able to go off and start 100% of the time, really, working on his new venture right away. Mm. Uh, and the business still went on as as it should, which is part of what he was frustrated in the, in the first place. He was getting kind of bored, right? <laughs> the business um, was operating without him, but he was still there, which right. meant he probably was trying to contribute, but maybe didn't need to contribute. That's a really interesting place to arrive at as a founder to be kind of um, not necessary. And I, I imagine for Eric, that might have been kind of confusing. Like you, I think a lot of people have that intent of, oh, I really want to build this business without me, except their actions usually uh, are embedding them more and more into the business. But it sounds like Eric was able to find you and be able to grow the business without his you know, intimate uh, uh, activity, which is, I think, what a lot of people dream about but might not actually achieve and and you guys kind of achieved it and there was maybe some confusion even in there about how to make that transition oh yeah a ton ton of confusion ton of confusion I, and you know when you're waiting through it it's like a hope and a prayer i mean we cashed out our 401k we put our house up as leverage like we we were individually even though i didn't really have any, any assets every asset i did have was 100 leverage if it didn't go well I would actually be homeless. Like, you know, it was, it was everything on the line Yeah. Um, in uncertain times, you know, like 2008 had happened. Like we made the decision. <laughs> we signed, we, we started in 09 and it, yeah, just ho kind of hoping for the best there. Um, and you know, a big part of it was that we have 
we have and had a great staff, you know, the people I was working with um, were, were just critical to the effort. And so, and, you know, some of those people are still with us, Dan Morrill, our controller, Chris Butler, our COO, Dave uh, Mello, our CTO, like all these people basically, uh, you know, they, they were there then and they were necessary, vital to the organization and stuck with us through the whole thing. And we had a lot of other supporting people who have come and gone, you know, since then, but you know, the staff had a lot to do with it. It wasn't like, you know, some superstar getting all done on my own. But the fact is that with, with the whole company considered, Eric was able to successfully go off and do his own thing. And we were able to successfully do our thing and, and it worked out great. That's cool. But basically that, that, I, I can tell you, I can tell you what the structure of it was. Big, big picture. Basically, yeah. um, the way the deal was is that I was buying shares of the company each month um, up to a 49% stake, right? And and that took a that took that's basically what it took to 2013, um, going from you know a, a very, very, very minority stockholder to um, up to 49%. And the hope was that okay, by then we will have saved enough money and the economy, the economy will have improved enough so we could get a bank loan. So we're really, we're banking, so to speak, on that. And that fortunately did come true. So it was just, we needed, you know, we got through 09 to 13. So about four and a half years of just doing it homegrown internally. Um, and because Eric's salary wasn't there anymore, we were able to make up for it and pay that money out. Uh, and then at that point, a bank was, because we basically had the cash collateral saved, like say, hey, we have the cash on hand, but we'd like to borrow from you guys instead. And then Dan Morrill, our CFO, was able to work with uh, Bank of America to get a loan that worked. And so on that day, paid Eric off the rest of the note, and then we're paying Bank of America for it, you know, instead of Eric. So um actually just finished paying off the Bank of America loan last year. <laughs> but it, it got to be a very, 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 very small loan that we're keeping open just to keep a relationship with those guys going because uh, they love getting interest even if it's only a little bit. But that was the basic vehicle we used and it worked. Wow. Congrats. Congrats on that. I was about to say a uh, 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 free intern to uh, owning the yeah. company. It's not, it's not even CEO. It's, it's uh, yeah. uh, you, you officially took over. So yeah. to anybody that is considering a free internship or <laughs> uh, a way to get into the company, right? Uh, here's yeah. a path, right? There's here's path. a path all the way to the top. <laughs> you know, the, the offer I made to Eric, it's kind of hard to turn down. And actually, that's how I got in Al Forno, my dream restaurant. The same way. I said, I will do anything. I will work for free. I'm, I'm here. I'm available. This is where I want to be. Like, and, and that was coming from a very genuine place. Like, I, I, if the desire is there, it's hard to say no. Yeah. It's like, I think they call that kind of the godfather offer. Right? Can you come up with an offer that somebody can't refuse? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Exactly. <laughs> in yeah. order to get your foot in the door. That's great. That's kind of it. And then typically, I found those people are willing to pay you. You offer work for free, but I, I, two for two, they both offered me some money. that's that's uh yeah that's good but uh i think the um you you obviously have your eye on a prize and uh it seems like you're a very committed ambitious and focused person towards that which is uh which is something that's that's a very valuable in this uh in this space in any kind of business i'm sure i guess so yeah so So you guys um you're a consultancy you guys do digital marketing for quote unquote experts. Yeah. I've heard you tell me that uh, you're friends with Blair and David Baker. Both guys have been on this show, mm-hmm. uh, but you also do work with them. You help people like them or other digital agencies um, generate new business. Mm-hmm. So, so what what does it mean to be an expert, and right. how did you guys find yourself in that specific niche? 
Oh, gosh. Okay. Uh, two very different questions. I'll take them in order. Um, the first one, what does it mean to be an expert? So basically, um, to be an expert uh, is we are able to help organizations who are basically differentiated on their knowledge. That's what they're hired for. They're not hired because of the best product or because of the best price or because of the fastest of something or because of the local player. They're hired because the prospect believes that this person has knowledge that they simply cannot get elsewhere. Okay. And so our clients are a lot of your listeners. So digital agencies, uh, marketing firms, PR firms, design firms, accountants, um, uh, consultants, uh, engineers, you know, people like professional services, basically people who are, but not, but within that category, people who actually are differentiated by their expertise. There are tons of organizations under the professional services umbrella that are 100% not experts. They're generalists and they're, you know, they're a digital agency They're they could build a website for maybe anybody. Right. And they're happy to, if they have the money, like we can't help those people. Um, but if the person is say, um, the, the, you know, we have an example I can give off the top of our head, our client, West Arette, out of State College, Pennsylvania. They build mission-critical apps for higher education. That's what they do. They're experts. They're sharp. That's marketable, right? And so if you're that kind of expert where you do something really specific, ideally something really specific for a specific audience, then, and I'm sure David, I actually know David covered this in uh, his discussions with you, then you st start doing pattern matching. You, you see patterns and you can put patterns together and you just develop this really, really deep niche and your expertise begets more clients of that kind, which generates more expertise and it's this loop that never ends. And you get to a point where you basically have no competition because you simply know more than anybody else about this thing. And so... We help those people um, use their expertise, leverage their own intelligence and harness that, excavate that and make that discoverable by the thousands of prospects around their territory, typically continentally, okay, so that those people can discover the firm. And so uh, basically, we believe there are six elements. There's the positioning, the actual expertise itself, which Dave and Blair do a great job helping these uh, clients with. Then there has to be a contact strategy. You need a certain volume of your right contacts, typically three to 5,000 of those contacts that back up the position that really represent the ideal client for you based on your expertise. Then there's the content strategy, which is really the spine. That's, how, that's the excavation tool. How do you transmit? How do you get your thoughts, your expertise? How do you get them out of your head and make those indexable and accessible through your website, through the email channel? And then of course, the website and the automation tool and CRM, those are the tools that you use to convey that expertise. But without the foundation, the understanding of expertise, the right contact list, and the right content strategy to excavate the expertise. Without those three things, your website's going to do nothing for you. Your email strategy is going to do nothing for you. And CRM is mostly meaningless because there aren't enough opportunities to catalog. So a lot of organizations, they go right to the website, they go right to automation, they start to go right to social media, they go to the end tactics without doing the hard strategic work that is really required. So it's, it's, it's really the two sides of the coin that are, have to be in place. So I think you said you said five things. Uh, I, I, got, I wrote down positioning, uh, the contact list, the content, and then were the other two's website and automation, or were those just one as tools? It's, it's actually six. So you, okay, you six. everything you just said right there, uh, plus CRM, plus CRM. Yeah. Got it. Those are the okay, six cool. things. Those if those six things are in place and are executed in the proper dosings, 
then the system will work. Um, and you know what we do, what's interesting, and I'm sure this a lot of your clients, especially those who are experts uh, and do similar kind of work for similar kind of clients again and again and again, you mentioned we have you know over 80 clients in our roster. What we, that's our pool of data. We can look at, okay, among these 80 plus uh, firms across the continent, you know who's having success with this and what are the shared characteristics among that success set? And that dictates what the minimum viable, viable effort is for these six elements. It's pretty cool. It's, it's a yeah. whole lot of fun. It, it's a whole lot of fun. And, and was this something, uh, working with experts, I know you mentioned that you worked with these couple of guys for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, has, has Newfangled always been focused on this uh, specific segment? Yeah, well, and just back to our, our theme of change and metamorphoses, no, uh, no is really the answer. Um, you know, when we started in 95, we were a web development company for agencies. We're a web devel- development partner for agencies. And so basically, if uh, an agency, a traditional agency wanted to get the website done, well, they call us up. Up and would help them do that. And that led us into doing some website work for the agencies themselves. And that was also interesting, but typically the agencies didn't really have the budget that we needed to, you know, do a website. Um, but nonetheless, we thought, you know, kind of looked at that as a loss leader. Let's do the website for the agency. Then they'll like us and they like our work and then they'll want us to do work for the clients, that kind of thing. And that's how we got along for most of the first 20 years doing websites. Um, but we went through the uh, traction system, the EOS model, which I'm sure has come up tons of times on the show. Uh, you're mm-hmm. familiar with this? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we started that system a handful of years ago, and that in uh, conjunction with the Strategic Coach program, which I highly recommend, that's a great pairing. Strategic Coach and Traction side-by-side, amazing, 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 amazing. And they're really, from my perspective, meant to be corollaries. Um, coach never talks about Traction. They look at them as a competitor. Traction always talks about Coach. In fact, Dan Sullivan, <laughs> Coach, is quoted right on the cover of Traction. And Gino has been a member of the Coach program for over a decade. Yeah. Uh, no, our, our EOS uh, implementer that we consult with uh, mm-hmm. that, that works with us, you know, she's she's a, a, a big part of strategic coach as well. So yeah. that's interesting that it goes, it goes one way, but they don't like, <laughs> yeah, it, goes, it only goes one way, but the firms you do both, I'm telling you, it's, it's amazing cocktail because coach will yeah. give you the massive perspective changing. Like, Oh my gosh, I just woke up and saw the world for the first time at Piffany's. But traction gives you the minutia <laughs> that, uh, that you need to like form and deal with between like your current reality and where you now realize you can go. Uh, and so that's the real beauty of the two systems together. But in any case, traction, what it forced us to do was look really hard at, well, like, how can we have the most impact on the world, given what we know, given who we are, given what we do? How can we have the most impact? And for us, we realized, well, along the way, while building these websites for agencies, we've gotten closer and closer and closer to the biz dev reality of their organizations. And now we're really good at marketing automation. We're really good at content strategy. We're really good at CRM. We're really good at, you know, biz dev user experience on the website. And that's the stuff they always get wrong and and they don't really understand how to do biz dev for themselves at all and so like let's let's do that and once we realized that everything changed and we stopped being web developers and we started being these digital marketing consultants and and that's been our world ever since and we're never looking back now we do have a lot of clients that for whom we've built websites over the many years that we still support and that's great and we enjoy doing that and we still build the occasional website but primarily what we're doing now, you know, the vast majority of the work we take on are helping organizations, uh, expert organizations do these things. Now, that fork there, I've been saying agency a lot, right? And that was another epiphany we had more recently is, you know, is the fact of someone being an agency or not, is, is that what 
dictates whether we can help them? And no, that's not it at all. Because again, there are tons of generalist agencies out there. We just we just can't help. Um, but it's the it's the uh, idea of are they differentiated on their thinking? Is is that it? And so that's where the expert angle came in, um, and that flows really nicely with everything else going on right now. And with David, he just put out this book, The Business of Expertise. Blair talks about it all the time, and that's what positioning is really about. Positioning is the art of committing to and continually crafting expertise. It's fantastic. I think there's there's so much from this conversation that I hope our listeners have pulled from. Uh, and I think this complements very well those gentlemen's uh, books and even those episodes that we had them on where we, we dove into, you know, what does it mean to develop your own expertise, how to do that? <laughs> and it sounds like you guys take those people that have done that right. and you help them turn up the volume, which is really cool. That's exactly right. Well, Mark, this has been a fascinating conversation, <laughs> and uh, we hit a lot. We hit a lot. We definitely hit. We hit all about you know free internships and, and the value of that. How to buy out a, a company, uh, personal challenges, some stoicism. Uh, touched on one of my favorite books, which I really appreciate. Uh, are you ready for our uh, our lightning round? Yeah, yeah. We didn't cover enough in the first thirty minutes, so let's get to the real thing now. <laughs> So uh, what is the best advice you've ever received? Well, what, what we didn't get to was the, what happened in 2010 when the recession finally caught up with us um, and what changed. And we initially hired David Baker for his total business review in 2000, 2000. Uh, and he gave us a lot of advice. And like everyone who hires David, we immediately implemented some of it and assumed that some other portion just wasn't really applicable to us. So that this stuff, which was the hard stuff, this doesn't really, well, no, nah, we did a lot of hard things. We laid off like half the staff when he hired him. That was pretty hard. Um, but you know, we, there were things that just seemed like nice to have, not must haves. Uh, but of course, what happened over the years was we realized, okay, all those things actually apply to us. We just didn't realize it. And so what happened in 2010, he's got three key metrics. Um, your business needs to be 60% utilized. Um, your, your payroll should be no more than 45% of your AGI. And you should aim for at least 20% profitability. And I've since... 2009 have referred to those three numbers as my bosses. Those are my bosses. 60% utilization, 45% payroll of AGI, 20% profitability. Like that's how it has to be because what happened in 2010 is we got hit with the recession. We sold basically nothing in January and February of 2010. And for the first time in my life, my 10 years with Newfangle, I realized, whoa, this, this isn't immortal. This could actually fall apart. I was a year into the purchase, really vested. <laughs> and I, I just somehow had this naive sense that Newfangle was just going to go on forever no matter what. And I realized, no, it's actually not going to happen unless we make serious change. And we did. On March uh, 15th, 2010, we laid off 25% of our staff to get in line with those numbers. And we've never looked back. So those three numbers, um, are critical advice that apply to every single one of your audience members, no matter what. I promise you. <laughs> so, so your three bosses are just to repeat for our listeners: sixty percent utilization of your your team. Or yeah, 40, which means you're, you're which means you're fully paid for sixty percent of the total time available in the organization, not just billable time. Sixty percent of total hours are paid for at your full hourly rate. Uh, 45% salary uh, of AGI. Yes. And your salary uh, cost will not exceed 45% of your AGI. Yeah. And then 20% uh, profit. Those are great. We'll, we'll include those in the show notes, guys. If you're on the road and you're trying to find a pen while you're going 60 miles yeah. an hour, uh, just check out the show notes on our website. Yeah. And, and once again, just to book in that, those are 100%. That's from David Baker. That's 
hovers in the total business review. I mean, he told us in 2000, it took us 10 years to implement it. Uh, but gosh, that that has to be there. And, and I can I can give you a long list of agencies that have uh, implemented this and are, are, have had incredibly successful businesses. And then give you an equally long list of those who haven't, who have not. I mean, it is it is a dividing line. <laughs> Very good. That's I like the three bosses. Um, all right. That's good. That's good advice. And uh, which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? Okay. And I'm not being very lightning about this. Sorry. That was, that was a much longer answer. Um, I've, I've got to say, you know, the, the um, something that's come through the, all the hardships uh, in recent times on the personal side, um, you know, it's been just what feels like emotional and mental survival. Right. And um, there have been a lot of things I've wanted to do uh, over the years that were again, nice to have, but now this, this tragedy really uh, has forced me to do them, take them seriously and developed a very strict morning routine that includes um, cold showers um, based on the Wim Hof method, uh, meditation, the Wim Hof breathing method, reading stoicism, journaling, um, drinking a giant thing of cold water when I first get up, getting a good night's sleep. Um, and I think that's everything as part of the morning routine. Um, there's some food things involved there too, but that aren't as critical. But that, my morning routine uh, is is just absolutely essential. When I do those things, and it's just, there's some exercise too, but breathe like 10 minutes of exercise, but kind of intense, um, 10 minutes of exercise. When I do those things, I've got a whole routine around them. It's it's like such, and I, I do them every day and I feel like I'm going to the spa, but I do it right downstairs in my house. You don't need any equipment. You don't need anything. You don't need to buy anything. You can do all by yourself, including the cold shower, right? You don't need to go to some like, you know, <laughs> cryogenic thing, you know, like just, you know, turn that water on cold and Jump in, man! <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe I'll uh, I'll see myself uh, taking taking uh, that advice myself. I, I think a morning oh. routine is is uh, is something that uh, we hear a lot on this show. That that's some of the more successful people that we talk to. You know, they make a big deal about that uh, that routine and getting into it's kind of everything. A habit. It's, it's it's everything. It's everything. It's everything. I, I, it it sets me up to succeed throughout the day and to stay strong and confident and happy and optimistic and brave. Uh, throughout the day. With the cold shower thing, this is critical. Uh, just take a regular shower and then at the very end for 30 seconds, just turn it to cold and just stand in it. Just 30 seconds. Anybody can do this. It's not going to kill you. Very cool. I feel like there's going to be a lot of people uh, uh, taking cold showers now uh, that are digital <laughs> agency so. show fans. So that's cool. Um, <laughs> can you share an internet resource or a tool that you use uh, on a regular basis that you think our listeners would find valuable? A tool that I use on a regular basis, you know, yeah, you know what I love uh, when it comes down to meditation is the insight timer. Um, this was, you know, meditation is something I've been doing since I was 15. I always wanted to do a little more of it. And um, a therapist I was working with the past year really just keyed me off on something. She said, you know, basically what meditation does is it relaxes your mind and it helps to eliminate the mind's natural uh, negativity bias. So all of our minds have a natural negativity bias that make things out to be worse than they are. For entrepreneurs, it's a real problem because it's going to make us scared when we shouldn't be scared. Courage and bravery is really important. Cold showers greatly bolster courage and bravery. So does meditation. It quiets the mind. And uh, 12 minutes a day is all that's required to actually change the way the mind operates and to remove this negativity bias in the Insight Timer app. Just Insight Timer uh, is a great little app that I use and you can do guided meditations with you want. I, I don't do that or recommend it. And you can just regular meditations that are timed. I do a, something that a 12 minute meditation with a six minute bell in between, just so I have some pacing inside of the 12 minutes and just breathe and, you know, go through the Wim Hof breathing exercises on that. And you've got a really nice combo. So the insight timer app, it's free. It's great. Uh, I recommend it. 
Very cool. And uh, last question here: What book would you recommend, and why? You know, I'm I'm always most interested in the current book I'm reading. Um, in that case, this one is The Obstacle is the Way. Um, a couple of days ago, I just read um, The Alchemist, which I got to admit, I think it was way overblown. I was not into that book. Okay, everyone rules over this book. You know, I, first of all, yeah, the, I don't know. Business novels, which this really came off as, it, it really just... Um, uh, I have a problem with, <laughs> but anyway, but the book I read before that <laughs> was um, one Chris Butler, our COO recommended to me. It's called rest R E S T rest. It is fantastic. It's so good. And it's, it's the other side of all these, you know, life hacking books out there right now about like how to like just prime your waking hours and blah, 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 blah. blah. It talks about the rest of it and talks about like real top producers, how much time they actually spend on their day exercising the craft, but which is not much at all, about four hours typically. And this is historically speaking, but you know, what do they do outside of that? What are their habits? What what does a day look like for them? And how do they protect their the diversity of their thoughts and their energy and their time and all that kind of thing? It's it's an extraordinary read, and uh, it's also quite concise. It's not you know twenty minutes of you know twenty percent great content, eight percent filler. Rest is a really good book. We got some good uh, good recommendations there. Uh, uh, the obstacles away, rest, and then a, a, a lukewarm on the alchemist. I, I read that yeah, many years ago, and uh, my my this- one year old was in my office the other day, and he likes to pull out all the books from my shelf, and he <laughs> he handed me the alchemist. I was like, oh, is this a sign? Should I reread this book? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should, but I don't know. It was it was fine, but I, I wasn't blown away like the rest of the world seems to be. Yeah. So, uh, Mark, how can our audience find out more about you? And is there anything that you have uh, that they can check out? Sure. You know, the website is is our world, right? So, newfangled.com. We are very, very, very generous with our free advice. So, we practice what we preach. We are experts. We share that expertise in great detail through our podcasts, um, our blogs, our white papers, our webinars. And that's all on our website, newfangled.com. Very cool. We'll check that out, guys. We'll link to your site uh, in the show notes. Mark, our conversation today was a true pleasure. So, thank you for stopping by the show. Thank you, Brent. I really enjoyed it. I appreciate what you're doing. Thanks. All right, guys, that is your episode of the Digital Agency Show for this week. Stay tuned for more great content coming at you each and every week here about growing your agency and changing those mindsets and achieving what you want in your business. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. Thanks again for tuning in to the Digital Agency Show. Before we close out, I wanted to check in on your answer to my question from the beginning of the episode. Are you stressed out, cash crunched, fed up with your business? Now, if you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead generation problem. Maybe that it's the area you live in or that this market has gotten too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around. And I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now, it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who says they need a website, Facebook ads, or a mobile app when they don't even realize it's a deeper challenge is blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I want to invite you to apply for a strategy call where we're going to dig into those underlying issues in your business and get you moving forward like never before. The aha moments that you're going to have will shift the way you think forever, and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your YouGurus strategy call today. Go to yougurus.com slash apply to start the application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. Thanks again for tuning in. Join us next week for another episode of the Digital Agency Show. 